What a great song, what a great testimony. Um, well, I've really looked forward to this week and this month for so long and just what God's going to continue to do through Calvary as we partner with some other folks in missions and as we're involved uh, on the front lines ourselves. You know, several, several years ago, it's been about a decade, more than that now, it's been about two decades, I guess, we began to move into a different way to do missions. One of the things that we notice is this, you know, we can try because we have a heart to reach people, whether it's here in Knoxville, whether it's in Tennessee or in the U.S. or in countries all over the world, we can do that as best we can, but we found that we're so limited by our resources and our abilities, but we know people. We got people, and, and you know what? Those folks, so many of them feel called in very specific ways, in very particular ministries, and they're gifted, and they're trained, and they're full of the Spirit. And we thought, wait, why are we trying to reinvent everything and do it like Calvary way when these folks over here are experts and God has called them? Let's just partner with them. And so that's what we began to do. We began to make some of the best friends and see ministry done in so many beautiful ways that we couldn't do by ourselves. So we go alongside, we give. Uh, we get involved when and where we can. Uh, as you know, you heard some of Joe's announcements today, some of the things that we think, wait, we can step up and, and do a part of that. We still do a lot of our own missions, but we support folks who we believe in and we have a relationship with. And that's part of the philosophy behind Faith Promise. We're always open to, to new folks and new faces and ministries. But one of the things we really, really love is that God uh, gives us people that he weaves into our lives that we know from year to year, and we know what they're doing, and we believe in what they're doing. So what this week, and really this whole month is about, is for you to get reacquainted with some of those folks, to get to hear firsthand, here's what's going on in their lives, here's what's going on in their ministries. Uh, like I say, some of those are right here in Knoxville. One of those is right across the street at a place called Welcome House. <laughs> Uh, there are people that God has used in so many stories. So we just want you to be a part of that. Uh, now, COVID has devastated so many people in so many different ways, but we are resilient and the Lord has been with us. And when we saw this coming, we thought, oh, God, we're not going to be able to do things in the usual way. And God said, well, I've never done things in the usual way. So uh, we had this idea of what we'll do instead of, um, you know, the banquet that we typically do, which is one of my favorite nights. We get to see all these missionaries and organizations and, and ministry groups, and we get to hear from them. I always walk out of the cafe thinking, oh, my goodness, I love being a part of this church, and I love being a part of, of these people's ministries and their lives. So what we're going to do this year is going to be a little different. Instead of having that one night and we're all in the room, we're going to have the next three Wednesday nights. Now, the last Wednesday night uh, is the night before Thanksgiving. And I know you guys are going to go be with your families, and you're going to be distracted, and you're going to be traveling and that sort of thing. But for the next three nights, uh, Wednesday nights, we're going to have uh, some of our favorite folks in the world to join us via Zoom. Uh, 
Alan Hildebrand and I are going to be down in cafe and we're going to set that up so that we will be able to kind of interview them in a little bit of a talk show format and it's so easy to jump on you can do it from wherever you are uh, and some of you've gotten used to that I know a lot of our students a lot of you in business zoom has become one of those things that was was kind of a novelty and it was at first it was like wow this is kind of fun this is kind of cool and then we got tired of it, you know, and we hit the wall and we're just sort of fatigued and think, I can't not look at another screen today. You know, I'm just always looking at screens. Um, I had a Zoom call this this week and I had to I was going to get there late uh, to my office. So I just did it on my phone and it just looked as funny as you. it was like one of those. And they said, man, you're making us dizzy. Can you just sit down and be still somewhere? You know, so I understand that it's challenging. But I think it's also something we've begun to integrate into our lives. And we just kind of get that it's another one of those things we're just probably um, going to incorporate in maybe a permanent way, for at least for a long time. So we want you to be a part of that every Wednesday night for the next three weeks at 630. Uh, if you've been attending Cafe on Zoom, you've probably already got the link in your calendar or in your phone or your computer. It's the same one. You just click there. Otherwise, uh, you can go to our website. You can look at the 10,000 minutes. Uh, we've sent an email out. We hope most everybody got. Uh, if all else fails, give us a call. You know, Shoot Joe a note, and he'll send you the link. It's printed on this paper that I reluctantly agreed uh, that we would print. We are trying to hand out as few things as possible right now. We want to respect you, know, you and your safety, and if you're out of the room, uh, if you're watching online today, uh, we want you to know we're being as safe as possible. Uh, but we did print this, and there's a couple of different ways you can let us know how God's leading you for Faith Promise in 2021. Because I believe uh, God was so faithful and sustained us and our ministries during 2020. Some of those folks are having a hard time financially. Giving has decreased across the board in so many ways, and, and, and we're going to come roaring back in 2021. We want to resource these folks. So you can actually physically take this paper today and just drop it in one of our offering boxes, and that'll be picked up. Or you can just jump online, and with about three clicks, you can make your promise. There's a simple and easy form there, and you just click that and hit send, and we'll get it, okay? And we'll make sure um, that... We kind of know where we're going and what to think about and what to, to budget for. I've already heard from almost all of our missionaries and organizations, and they're counting on us, folks, and the Lord's counting on us. We don't do it just to meet the need. We do it in answer to a call from the Lord. Say, so God, what is it you want me to do? Whether I know one ministry need or not, I want to be obedient. I want to be faithful to the Lord. I want to be under his grace and just see what he's going to do as he allows me to partner with some of these folks. That's just amazing. I just, I feel like a kid going, can I tag along? Can I tag along? And that's what I'm doing. And I hope you'll tag along with us too. So that's Faith Promise. A lot of you are familiar with this. Uh, for some of you, it may be kind of new if you're, if you're a new attender here at Calvary. And here's just some of our partners that we've listed there along with the, with the Zoom link. Um, so you can get to know them or catch up with them over the next few weeks. I'm really looking forward to that. Now, today we have a special guest with us, and I'll tell you, he's, he's a friend of mine, and he's one of my heroes as well. Uh, David Crane 
is here from Charlotte. Uh, David has been involved for many years in ministry in Africa. Now, for those of you who are maybe, like I say, new to Calvary, you might not recognize the name Calvary Road Ministries. This is one of the first ministries uh, that we have partnered with from the very beginning. Uh, we knew John Shepherd, their founder. He has stood here. He's preached here uh, many times for us. And God has just done remarkable things through this ministry. I have been on a trip with them to help train pastors. Joe has been on one of the camping trips. Some of you have been a part of that, uh, and I hope you will be in the future. David uh, went to Mid-America, um, where I graduated. We're one of the few. And, but tell me what years. I think we overlapped a little bit. 84, I was gone. I was gone. I was actually here. I, I came here the next year after that. So um, I'm quite a bit older than him, obviously. Um, but you're going to love David. He has got such a heart, and God has just opened doors through him. He took an, one of the early retirement. You remember a few years ago, uh, IMB gave about 800 missionaries an opportunity to step off the field. We kind of were pushed you know, to be able to, to have to, to do that. We grabbed him up as soon as we could, and it was only just a little while later we said, wait, you're our next president. You need to be the director of Calvary Road Ministries, and he has done that in such a beautiful way. And God is doing so many exciting things. I just told a, a African pastor friend of mine recently, right before our board meeting, which was just last week, I said, brother, there very likely may come a day when you are sending missionaries to us, when Africa, folks in these African nations are sending missionaries to the U.S. It is, it is like the New Testament is happening all the early days all over again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let David Crane share a little bit more about that with you, but um, the, the gospel is exploding and the Lord is being lifted up. In just incredible ways, and we want you to hear about that, and want you to know where some of your faith promise uh, dollars and time and prayers are going. So, would you join me in giving a Calvary welcome? Whether you're online, you can just jump up in your kitchen or wherever you are, and let's just welcome David to Calvary Baptist today. So one goes to the round table. It's a pleasure to be here. Who can live up to an introduction like that? Not I, but thank you, Dan. Uh, since I came back on board with Calvary Road Ministries in 2016, uh, every board meeting that we've had has been down, I'll say the basement, but it's the cafe, right? And so I told Robbie Calvert before I came up, this is the joke I'm going to make. I've never been invited to come upstairs, so I guess I'm like the crazy uncle that you keep in the basement. So it's a pleasure to see your beautiful sanctuary and to see the rest of your facility. I mentioned Robbie Calvert, uh, the eldest son of uh, my, evil, my evil twin, who's na uh, we're, we're twin sons of different mothers, Bob Calvert, his father. Robbie, it's a pleasure to have you here. And uh, his, his, his oldest is seven years of age, and I'm telling you, is the spitting image of him. When I met Robbie Calvert, who's out there now, uh, he was the same age as his eldest boy. And so I have a pretty big reminder this morning of how old I am. 
My name is David Crane, as you've heard. I'm actually from a little town that's 40 miles west of Charlotte called Cherryville, North Carolina. If you're in the trucking business, you may remember uh, America's fifth largest trucking company one time called Carolina Freight Carriers. And that, uh, Cherryville the headquarters, was the headquarters for it until it was bought by Arkansas Best Freight. And now all that's moved out to Fort Smith, Arkansas. And Cherryville is drying up like a lot of small American communities. But my wife, Renee, and I moved back to our hometown uh, after taking the Voluntary Retirement Initiative in 2015 and have remained there, we, uh, the Lord bless us with a home that has a mother-in-law suite, as they're called, and my 87-year-old mom and 95-year-old stepfather live with us, and uh, it's been a great base of operations while we're uh, working now with Calvary Road Ministries still in East Africa. Uh, my wife normally would be with me, and I look 99.9% better when she's standing beside me. Uh, but she is a registered nurse working on a PRN basis for a local hospice. She worked last night an eight-hour shift and is going back in tonight at 8 p.m., so she cannot be with me, but she sends her greetings to everyone. Dan got to see her two Fridays ago at our CRM board meeting. I want to start off in an unusual way, but it's a way that I hope to make connect with what I want you to hear about Calvary Road Ministries. Who can tell me what was celebrated yesterday? Halloween. And can anyone think of anything else that maybe was celebrated yesterday? Ha-ha, Reformation Day. I am proud of Calvary Baptist. That tells me something about your pastor and staff that immediately we got Reformation Day. One other thing, let me tell you a little bit about Reformation Day because I feel like that at Calvary Road Ministries and how we're seeking to empower gospel movements among least reached people I believe there are in some ways connections and am I doing something Dan that anybody got any advice for me is that me that's making it bounce throw it over your shoulder uh-huh right so I'm going to start off by uh, talking a little bit about Reformation Day and Martin Luther and the reformers and tie that into what CRM has been doing and trying to empower gospel movements among least reached peoples by targeting the common man or the average man or woman among those least, least reached people groups. Many of you know that uh, October 31st, uh, 1517 is the date that Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses on the door of the Wittenberg Church. But not what, what uh, but some facts connected with that not everybody understands Martin Luther did not write his 95 theses in the German language so that anybody passing by the church door could understand them rather he wrote them in Latin because you see the door to the Wittenberg church was not only the entryway into that particular church but it was also served as the bulletin board for the scholars who taught at the local university so Martin Luther wrote the 95 theses in Latin because his purpose in writing them was to basically invite other scholars at the university to come and have an open public forum or debate about the theological questions that were touched on in his 95 Theses. Now some of his enterprising students, having seen them, took them down, translated them into the vernacular German, the language that any literate German of that time could read for himself or herself, or they could read to their illiterate friends, families, and neighbors. They took them, they translated the 95 Theses into German, and then they took them to make use of the latest technology. And that latest technology we know as Gutenberg's printing press. And so after Luther putting the 95 Theses on the door of the Wittenberg Church, only with a view toward 
uh, attracting other scholars for, for, for public debate and discussion. Within two to three weeks, his 95 theses have been disseminated all around Germany, every village and every hamlet in the language that the average German could read, understand, and respond to. So one of the things connected with the Reformation that I think is alive and well today, not only with Calvary Road Ministries, but with missionaries all over the world, is that we understand that we are to make use of the technologies of our day and age, any technology that will enable us to get the Word of God, the truth of God, into the hearts, the hands, and the minds of those people who, that unless someone like us comes from the outside and gives them the Word of God, gives them teachings from God's Word, they will remain unreached. Now, in 1997, that's when I met John Shepherd. Uh, and by the way, I may be the only uh, one that's talk about work overseas outside of the continental United States that represents a mission whose home base is in Knoxville. And I just want to tell you real quickly, the formation of Calvary Road Ministries has from the very beginning been, been a God thing. You see, in, in 97, uh, I met a, a missionary in uh, Brackenhurst Baptist International Center, which is in Kenya. His name was Sam, Sam uh, Turner. Sam Turner had spent his last years with the IMB working out of the Richmond office in what was called the Volunteers and Mission Office. And Sam ran into me. He said, David, I was in Knoxville, Tennessee just a few weeks ago, and I ran into a pastor there, Pastor Chilhowie Hills Baptist Church, and he told me what his desire is with regard to, to forming a partnership with an IMB missionary. He said, I immediately thought of you. And I said to Sam, well, Sam, I don't know how that's going to happen because I'm in Kenya and he's in Knoxville. God, just a few days later, touched the L5S1 disc of my wife and herniated it. So that meant we had to bring her to Charlotte, North Carolina to have what was called a microdiscectomy. Well, I'm now in the United States. I don't know a John Shepherd, but I pick up the phone and I called in Knoxville, Tennessee, and I said, Jan John, I don't know you, you don't me, but I think we're supposed to meet. Well, they sent their first team in January, February of 1998. And one of the things that God did in, in light of those, that team coming to make their first trip in Masailand was he sent a rainy season with a level or amount of rain that Kenya hadn't seen since 1962. Worst possible conditions you could have a team working in. And God used all of that to touch his heart so that he decided to take early retirement from pastoral ministry, form the nonprofit that's called Calvary Road Ministry. One of the purposes, one of the chief goals that we had in forming I and Bob Calvert, Robbie's dad, who were with the IMB at the time working among a people called Maasai, one of the chief goals we had for them was that John would, uh, would mobilize and train older men and women <clears throat> to come and share the gospel with older Maasai men and women. And the response was such that we now have older people coming to, into our churches, receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior in such numbers that we realize we've got to take seriously the issue of illiteracy. Because the, uh, the, the illiteracy rate among Maasai, especially for those who were 30 and older, was 80% plus. So God led Bob Calvert, Robbie's dad, and John Shepherd, the founder of Calvary Road Ministries, to make use of, the, of some of the latest technologies. Now, unlike with Luther's case, it wasn't the, uh, the Gutenberg printing press, but it was printing of a sort, and I've got it upside down, which is typical for me. So this is the Act story cloth that has been produced by Calvary Road Ministries and John Shepherd. This particular cloth has 30 pictures on it, representing 30 stories from the 28 chapters of Acts. The first story cloth that was produced 
in the year 2005 has 42 pictures on it that start with the, uh, the story of the, of, of the creation of the spirit world. Story number two is the creation of the physical universe. And then uh, the last story, story 42, is a picture of our Lord Jesus as he ascends into heaven. A story that's told from the perspective of, uh, of uh, Luke 24. And then that same picture, our Lord ascending into heaven, is the first picture on the Acts story cloth told from the perspective of Acts chapter 1. So what this technology, using uh, technology to print out uh, pictures, Bible pictures, or pictures depicting Bible stories on cloth, was one use of technology that CRM has made to get God's word, God's truth, into the hands, hearts, and minds of people who cannot read and write and who otherwise, therefore, might be bypassed uh, and never have the chance to hear the gospel or never have the chance to mature in their faith, become the, uh, the, to, to uh, get the maturity as a disciple of Jesus that God would want for them. Since I've, uh, since I've joined Calvary Road Ministry in 2016, and just recently, last year, Dan knows I became the president, we've been making use of technologies like I'm going to show you now. We've begun working with refugees, we began working with refugees south, out of South Sudan and Sudan in, the, in 2014. And Robbie's dad, Bob, was a part of that. Uh, not on, and, and Robbie's dad and mom and dad were especially a part of teaching refugees who had come out of South Sudan into countries like Uganda and Kenya uh, the stories of the first story cloth. But we've also expanded our use of technologies. And so as you support Calvary Road Ministries, I want you to know some of the things that you are helping or enabling us to do. This is a, uh, a video data projector made by a company called Anchor. I can buy them all day long for $239 if they're refurbished on Amazon. Now, Robbie's going to probably remember, although he was young, the first video data projector that his dad had. Well, the first one was a 16 millimeter, which uh, was horrible. Uh, I think the last stage in the making of a 16 millimeter projector was a witch doctor put a demon in it. Those things were terrible. But uh, our, my first video data projector weighed probably 25 pounds, cost $3,000. You had to have then a generator to run it, and of course you had to have a truck to carry it around, et cetera, et cetera. But one way, like Luther's enterprising young students took his 95 theses, made use of the latest technology to disseminate Luther's writings, and of course, after he translated the New Testament, to disseminate the German New Testament to the average man or woman, even so now. So with this video data projector connected to a 16-gigabyte thumb drive on which we have loaded all the films of the Jesus Film Project and any other gospel film or gospel resource we can find in Sudanese Arabic or the tribal language of a particular uh, refugee group, these guys were able to take this and show the Jesus film all over the place. We also, uh, you also, as you support Calvary, Calvary Road Ministries, enable us to buy uh, micro SD cards such as one can place in a phone. We buy 16 gigabyte capacity micro SD cards. People are now able to put them in the phone. If it has a screen on which you can watch a film, they can watch all the Jesus Film Project videos in a language appropriate to them. We also load, uh, I've loaded a library. I've loaded the library of books in PDF format that are appropriate for people who are coming out of Islam. Such people we call Muslim background believers or MBBs for short. Um, so one of the beautiful things about the SD cards is obviously when, we, we, when our teams uh, go to Uganda, when they go to South Sudan, not only do we carry story clause and projectors, but we also carry uh, these SD cards. 
And the beautiful thing about the SD card is they don't weigh very much. You carry 100 story cloths, now you've got two pieces of luggage that have been taken up. But to carry three, 400, 500 SD cards, guess what? I can put them in my pocket. And one of the beautiful things about it, I don't have to sweat carrying SD cards when I'm at customs entering a country. And another thing is, is that once these people receive the SD cards loaded with God's Word, loaded with films, gospel films, they also don't have to worry about being caught. Our main partner, uh, who's a Muslim background believer, who's Sudanese, particularly or specifically from the Darfur section of Sudan, that partner's name is Adam. Adam recently gave us a story of how there were high school students who came and heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they received Jesus as Lord and Savior, came out of Islam. But they're still students of a school uh, that is run by Muslim people. So uh, Adam and his people gave them hard copy Bibles as well as SD cards. Well, when their teachers or some authority there at the school discovered that they had Bibles, they forced them to get rid of the Bibles. But because they didn't know they had SD cards in their phones, they didn't know to take them. And these young men... They studied the Scripture by listening to the audio New Testaments that were loaded on it in, in Sudanese Arabic. They watched the gospel films. And unbeknownst to these, um, uh, the, the Muslim authorities of their school, they one by one began to share with their friends. And so, so now there has been a movement in that particular school there in Darfur, Sudan. So that's just a little bit about what we do uh, with Calvary Road Ministries. It is about empowering gospel movements among least reached people. And if you're going to empower such movements, you have to get the Word of God, God's truth, into the hands, hearts, and minds of the people. Not just any people, but the common man or woman. Because if there's going to be a movement anywhere in the world, America, Tennessee, Knoxville, if there's going to be a movement anywhere in the world, that movement is going to be carried out on the shoulders of the average man so I want to model for you this morning what we do. And Brother Dan, it's 11.30. I'm going to assume you try to finish in an hour, so I bet i got at least maybe 10 minutes. Keep going. Right. So I'm going to, you'll leave. When you get up and leave, we're in, we're in, I'm in trouble. Very good. So here's what I want to do this morning. I want to model for you the storing method. So if you want to open up your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 9. And I want you to know that I've chosen this story, John chapter 9, for a specific reason. Because I believe... There's a principle or principles that are uh, modeled in how Jesus deals with this blind man whom he's going to heal right at the beginning of the story. And that principle that I want you to get is this. God delights in bringing glory to himself by displaying his power through people on the margins. God delights to bring glory to himself by displaying his power through people on the margins. And again, I'm sorry about the popping. I don't know what to do. We've done our best. Just live with it and uh, don't hold it against me. One Sabbath day, as Jesus and his disciples were walking in the streets of Jerusalem, they came upon a blind beggar sitting in the street. The disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned that this man was born blind? He himself or his parents? Jesus told them, it's not because of his sin or the sin of his parents, but rather it's that the work of God or the works of God might be displayed through him. We must mark the works of him while it is still day, for the night is coming when no one, no one will be able to work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And having said that, Jesus spat on the ground, 
and took and made mud. And he put the mud on the man's eyes. And he told him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. The man obeyed. He went. He washed. And when he washed his eyes, when he opened them, he could see. And as he went back to the place where he met Jesus, there were people who recognized him. They had been sitting, they'd seen him sitting and begging for years. And so they were talking among themselves, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Others said, no, it can't be him. This guy can see. It must be someone that looks like him. But he heard what they were saying, and he said to them, it is I, it is I. And they said, how is it that you can see? Who opened your eyes? He told them, a man named, named Jesus made mud, put it on my eyes, told me to go to the pool of Siloam, wash, and when I did, my eyes were open. They asked him, where's Jesus now? He said, I don't know. So these people took him to the Pharisees there in a nearby synagogue. And so the Pharisees, they asked him, tell us, how, how, how were your eyes open? So he told them the same story. Now after they heard uh, him tell them what uh, Jesus had done for him, there was a, his story or his report caused a division among the Pharisees because some Pharisees said, you see, this man must be a sinner because no one sent from God would break the Sabbath law. But others said, how can anyone do such a notable miracle unless he has been sent by God? So there's this division created by them. So they turned to the man and said, what do you have to say about Jesus, seeing that he opened your eyes? The man said, he's a prophet. But the Pharisees, they were not willing to accept his testimony that he had been born blind. So they called for his parents that his parents might verify his story. Now once his parents entered into the room where the Pharisees were, uh, the Pharisees asked him, tell us, is this your son? Was he indeed born blind? If he was, then how does he now see? Well, his parents, they were very afraid because the uh, Jewish religious leaders had already agreed among themselves if anybody confessed Jesus to be the Messiah, they would be kicked out of the synagogue. So his parents were very afraid. And so they said to the leaders, that is indeed our son. He was born blind. But how he now sees or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He's of age. Ask him. So now they call for the man to come again. And they say, give God the glory. Because as for this man, Jesus, we know that he is a sinner. The man replied, whether Jesus is a sinner or not, I don't know. But here's what I know. Where once I was blind, because of Jesus, I can see. So the Pharisees, they asked the man again, tell us, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? The man said, I told you once already and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear again? Do you want to become his disciples? At that, the Pharisees became very angry and they said, you are his disciples, but we are the disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this man, Jesus, why, we don't even know where he's from. Man says, now that's an interesting thing. He opened the eyes of a man born blind, and you don't even know where he's from. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and committed to doing his will, God hears him. Since the beginning of creation, it's never been heard of that someone had the power to open the eyes of a man, of a man born blind. If Jesus were not from God, he could do nothing. And at that, the religious leaders, they became incensed and angry. They said, you were born in utter sin, and would you presume to teach us? And they kicked him out of the synagogue. Now, when Jesus heard what they had done to the man, he sought him. He sought him out. And when he found him, 
Jesus asked the man, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man said, sir, who is he that I may believe in him? Jesus said, you have seen him, and it is he who is now talking to you. And the man bowed down, and he worshiped, and he said, Lord, I believe. Then Jesus said, for this I have come into the world, that those who are blind may see, and those who claim to see may be made blind. And that's the end of my story. And in, in the few minutes I've got, here's the principles I want you to kid today. I've already said the principle that I want you to go home with. God delights to bring glory to himself through displaying his power, by displaying his power through marginalized people. As this story starts off, the man or the character in the story least likely to stand before a group of religious, educated religious leaders and give a testimony to the power of Jesus Christ is this beggar born blind. He's the least likely. And when he does give testimony as a disciple of Jesus to this group of religious leaders, he does so having knowing only the touch of Jesus on his eyes and having heard only the words, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. This man, this mar man who lived his life on the margins, who more than likely was illiterate because there were no schools for the blind in his day, this man who was most likely scorned because as it comes out in the story, someone in his condition, it was assumed that he was born blind he was born with this disadvantage because either of his own personal sin, which seems wacky since he was born blind, or because of the sin of his parents. In other words, this guy's only getting what he deserves. So, he's illiterate, more, so, more than likely. He's scorned. He's passed by. He's living on the margin of his society. People pass him day by day without giving him a moment's notice. He's a person living on the margin. Jesus says, it's not because of the sin, his sin or the sin of his parents, it's what? So that God's works might be displayed through him. Calvary Road Ministries from the very beginning exists because God touched John Shepherd to partner with Bob Calvert and David Crane to get the word of God into the hearts, hands, and minds of Maasai people, a marginalized people who lived in southern Kenya and northern Tanzania and who still do. And that's what we continue to do today, using the latest resources. Now, here's what I want to run through real quick. If you're taking notes, there's two theological truths I think are very important for any of us who want to be a part of what God's doing among least-reached people. Because the many, many, not, not, not necessarily everybody that's least reached is marginalized. When we think about China, there are many of the 1.3 billion Chinese in the world, many of them are no longer marginalized. They're literate, they're not poor, they're doing okay. So not everybody that's unreached is marginalized, but many are. And if you want to be a part of what God's doing among the marginalized, understand, first of all, there's two theological truths emphasized. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. The disciples start the story by asking, who sinned, he or his parents, that caused him to be born blind? Jesus cuts through all that, doesn't he? Didn't he deal with the question, he just said, God's sovereign. 
And God allowed this man to be born with this dis- for this reason, because God desires to display his power through this man with this particular disadvantage. God's sovereign. He's in, he created the universe. He's in control of the universe, and he's also in control of your life. And that means no matter what disadvantage, no matter what weakness you perceive that you were born with or that your culture says that you were born with, God can use you. And that's what we want to tell marginalized people. It doesn't matter that you're a refugee. It doesn't matter that you've lost children in war, that your husband in war. It doesn't matter you've been raped. It doesn't matter that all these things that have happened to you there in South Sudan during the Civil War, we want to, we want to, we want to counsel you. We want to help you work through that. But at the end of the day, don't, make, don't, don't allow the devil to uh, use all those events and those horrible things in your life to make you think that you're a nobody or that God cannot use you because he wants to display his power through you no matter whatever disadvantage you think you bring to the table. Secondly, not only is God sovereign, but God's glory takes precedence over everything else. Bringing God glory takes precedence over everything else in my life. So if in his sovereignty he has allowed you or any person to be born with or maybe you weren't born with it, but it's developed later on life, some serious disadvantage that causes you to feel marginalized, that causes you to feel weak, that causes you to feel like you're, you're, you're less than whole, or that you can't be of service to God, you can't be of service to his local church or whatever. Let this man's example, let this story from John 9 help you to understand that Jesus is saying, this man can still bring glory to my Father. My father allowed him to be born blind. Why? Because he, de- he desires to display his works through him. And don't worry about the, all that he suffered up to this point because today I'm going to touch his life and change his life and make him to be a disciple of mine. His life after meeting me is never going to be the same. So no matter what disadvantages you may have experienced in the past, don't let that be an anchor. Don't let that drag you down. Don't let that hold you back. Because if Jesus touches your life, if Jesus desires to display his power in and through your life, there can be a whole new chapter in your life. God's sovereign and bringing him glory takes precedence over everything else that has happened, is happening, or ever will happen in my life. The second thing is the agenda of Jesus. And I've already mentioned, really, the agenda of Jesus. The agenda of Jesus is that this man stand before a group of religious leaders, healed of his blindness, and give testimony to the fact that Jesus is enough. In other words, if I have Jesus in my life, it doesn't matter what disadvantage or what has put me on the margins up to this point, if I have Jesus in my life, if I've experienced the touch of Jesus on my life, then I have more than what it takes. I am adequate to bear witness to his, to the saving message of his gospel. He who has Jesus has enough. Can we say that together, even behind your mask? He who has Jesus has enough. Can we say it one more time? He who has Jesus has enough. Wow. I know, it's the, I know that was Jesus, the agenda of Jesus because remember how he did the miracle? After putting the mud on his eyes, he sent him by himself. And then he didn't stand there at that same place to wait for him. Jesus set him up. Jesus set up the whole situation whereby this guy would have to give testimony to an educated 
antagonistic group of religious leaders on his own. That ain't like Jesus normally. That ain't like the Jesus you know normally is Pastor Dan. Jesus does this not to be mean to him. So that all down through the ages we can understand by the example of this man. I don't know a lot. But here's what I know. Before I met Jesus, before Jesus touched my life, I was blind. But having experienced the touch of Jesus, now I can see. The agenda of the Pharisees in the story, it comes out. Remember when his parents are brought in? And the Apostle John, in parenthesis, says, now you need to understand that the parents were afraid. Because the religious leaders had already agreed that if anyone confessed Jesus to be the Messiah, he or she would be what? Kicked out of the synagogue. So they used their position authority of authority to threaten other people to keep them from hearing the gospel of Jesus, to keep them from being exposed to the good news of Jesus Christ, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross, that he shed his blood, that on the cross he bore the guilt that you and I deserve. He bore the wrath of God on our behalf. He was buried, but he rose again according to the Scriptures on the third day, and, from, uh, and he's ascended to the right hand of the Father from where he's going to come to judge the living and the dead. And so these Pharisees and these stories are representative of the oppressors all over the world who want to use their advantages and their, their positions of power and authority, whether they be government or otherwise, to keep least-reached peoples from hearing the gospel. And just as Jesus used this ordinary man on the margins to make Jesus known in that situation, that's how we, with Calvary Road Ministries, using the latest technological resources, using the story cloth, sending teams to train national brothers and sisters so they can go and take the story cloths and share the gospel in the refugee camps, share the gospel in places like Sudan. I wish I had time to tell you more about Sudan. A country of over 40 million people, over 400 people groups, and 98 point whatever percent of them walking in the darkness of Islam. But what I want, and this is what I'm going to close with this, Dan, I promise. But what I want you to know that our God in these last days is in the business of calling literally millions of Muslims to Jesus Christ. Are you aware there are over 3 million born-again believers in Iran? I believe that the partners that we're working with in Sudan are in the years ahead going to see not just tens of thousands, but hundreds of thousands of converts. The, the soil of people's hearts in Sudan, because of the warfare Muslim-on-Muslim Muslim violence, which has resulted in literally millions of people being displaced within Sudan and more than a million being displaced as refugees in neighboring countries. God has used that Muslim-on-Muslim Muslim violence to prepare hearts. People understand there's got to be something else, and there is. It's the gospel of Jesus. And if we join hands to get them His Word, using the latest technologies like Luther and the other reformers did in their day, it starts with people like you and me no matter what disadvantage you think you may have that would prevent you from doing something significant for God uh -uh. just to understand he's sovereign whatever happened in your life he's allowed and when you understand that he can use even your weakness 
for his glory and honor. And when you understand that his bringing him glory, that takes precedence over everything else. Then nothing will prevent you from doing like this man, being in a position that he would never have chosen for himself, and yet enabled by the touch of Jesus, Jesus on his life to give a gospel witness. Thank you, Pastor Dan and Church. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I thank you for this story. I thank you for the example of this man. I thank you that even though, even, even when we think we've been forgotten by you, because we've been forgotten and overlooked by those whom we know and by the world at large, Lord, this story tells us you know each and every person. You know each and every person's particular challenges. And Jesus stands ready to meet them at every point of need, if they will but repent of their sins, trust and believe that Jesus is the one and only Savior who can deliver them from the guilt of sin and from the wrath of God. Put their hands in your life as Lord, Savior, High Priest, and King and surrender 100% from the heart and mind everything that they bring to the table. That Lord, you can use all of us Take Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, all around the world and therefore fulfill the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Use us, Lord Jesus. Help us to see you are able. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. God bless you, church. This is why I wanted you to hear David and to hear more about Calvary Road Ministries. God is just doing amazing things. And this guy's been in, in South Sudan. He's been into the refugee camps there. And God is just doing amazing things. When you get that many people pushed into a small amount of space, and there's really nothing to do. And they're all from different tribes, some of those who are at war with one another. And then the gospel is shared through the story cloth and other ways. Uh, it's just, it's just amazing to me. And guess what nation was taken off the terrorist list just two weeks ago by the president? Sudan. That means we uh, have a much wider open door now to go in and to share the gospel among Muslims. It's, it's just incredible. So thank you for letting us partner with you. We're with you. Uh, I can't wait to see what God does. I know there's a lot of doom and gloom in the world. I know there's a darkness that seems to be over a lot of places. But I want you to know the gospel is going forward in, in just beautiful ways. And uh, CRM is a part of that. We are a part uh, with you and partnering with you. And we're seeing that happening in, in China and Asia and even in India in places where uh, there's a lot of persecution. Uh, as you may or may not know, Voice of Martyrs has declared today an international day of prayer uh, for our Christian brothers and sisters who are under extreme persecution in so many of these places. But we're seeing the gospel go forward. Uh, so thank you for coming today. Thank you for sharing your heart and your vision. Um, can't wait to see what God does in 2021 and what he does with us, and what he does uh, through CRM. Uh, we're waiting uh, for the green light uh, to be opened up and we can travel again, and then we're going to try to be creative and see uh, if some of you want to go uh, and see for yourself firsthand. Uh, I got to go a year ago last September, and 
Uh, wow, just a, a game changer uh, for me. I'll never, I have a good friend named Charles Mbaka. We've been friends for years through another ministry who is Maasai, and uh, he and I are teaching a, a course together, and, and halfway through the week, halfway through one of the courses, I was teaching, and one of the pastors jumped up, and he threw his hand up, and I didn't know, you know, what was going on. I thought, Maybe I've said something wrong, but he began to dance, and the men around him jumped up, and their hands went up, and they began to dance. So I looked at my friend Charles in the back like, what, what has happened? And he was like this, go, keep going, keep talking, keep talking. They get it. They get it. And after the conference was over, when I got back, one of my friends sent me a message through Facebook, and he said, every word you're, you taught me, I'm teaching my people. And he said, this is going out. So, folks, it's just... It's just we could. Do, this guy could tell stories. Um, he's got some of the best, coolest stories. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for uh, for listening to God's word, and uh, I encourage you to be back Wednesday night on Zoom. Be back next week for worship and for all of those three, three next three Wednesday nights. Uh, you won't regret it. You're going to hear more of what God is doing here as well as all over the world. God bless you, grace and peace, enjoy the rest of your afternoon, thank you.